Hello, Photo Op listeners. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And welcome to Photo Op, the podcast show where we talk about all things photo and video. So, what are we talking about today, Stuart? We are talking about physical space. <laughs> Noise. Specifically, kind of where we're sitting right now, uh, home studios. Home studios. Love yeah. it. All right. So yeah, today we're going to walk through some of the essentials you need if you're setting up a home studio. So I know that there have been a bajillion different things out there and they're like, well, if you have a home studio, you need to have this camera and these mm-hmm. lenses mm-hmm. and you need to buy these 14 different brands of like baby props. And yeah. No, you really so don't. Um, so re- kind of regardless of what... Uh, what kind of photography you do. These are the things that we think you should have in your studio. Now, if you do equestrian photography and you don't need a studio, that's completely different. But we're assuming you do some sort of filming in your studio. So we're going to talk about the bare necessities to get you up and running. This assumes you have Mm -hmm. a camera. Yes. This assumes that you have, you know, lighting, I assume. Yeah. And we'll give you a little bit of both. We'll give you some physical stuff and we'll give you some uh, how to set up your space. Yep, I was going to say philosophical. Physical and philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, for those of you listening to this in podcast form, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. But if you're watching this on YouTube, the space that we're in right now, were I to zoom out the camera just a little bit, you could see uh, this space is currently a mess. And because I'm currently in the throes of organizing it and getting all of the organization, the wall behind me needs another coat of paint. And then there's going to be some artwork up there coming mm-hmm. to you very, very soon. Uh, next couple of weeks so uh, if we're a few episodes away from you get some pretty artwork behind your head now i'm gonna get some pretty artwork too it's great (laughs) uh we're getting pretty close to that um there's also a lot of areas where i just need to uh drill hooks into the concrete and um that takes commitment i don't i'm married i bought a house (laughs) but i don't know if i'm ready for that level of commitment you know yeah wow yeah, having just re- <laughs> having just recently bought a house, like you look at, you're like, I really need to drill a hole in the wall. But dude, but yours is drywall. <laughs> Mine's concrete. Yeah. That 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 it's it's scary. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Anyway, regardless. <laughs> so today we are talking about the must-haves for your home studio. But in this season, we're trying to start every single question or every single episode with a listener question. Mm-hmm. So I have a listener question for you today. Cool. This question comes from Allie. Thank you so much, Allie. Allie says, I keep wondering this question. Do some people like black and white photos or is it just a photographer thing? (laughs) Just a photographer thing? (laughs) It's an Instagram thing. That's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is it just a photographer thing? So I feel like yes and no, which is totally unhelpful. Um, uh, No, it's not just a photographer thing. I mean, uh, black and white photography has existed for longer than color photography. Um, It was the first photography. Um, So no. And also like people will often, you know, shoot because they, they like the style of black and white. They like the contrastiness of black and white. You can push black and white in ways that you can't push color ways to start to look kind of um, weird. Uh, There's a lot of uh, interesting choices that you can make with black and white that you Mm -hmm. can't necessarily make with color. So 
for that reason not even just photographers i think screw around with that i I, like i feel like often people will request that especially for like weddings oh Um, yeah that seems like a a very common thing even to this day uh that that's something that people ask Mm -hmm. for so i would say photographers tend to play around with that more certainly um but you know it's just something to experiment with i I don't think it's only a photographer thing in my opinion i have three quick thoughts on this one Mm -hmm. one is back in art school the joke is if you take a terrible photo turn it black and white and call it art yeah (laughs) (laughs) because if your white balance is off black and white is it grainy black and white now it looks like film Mm -hmm. like did you Mm -hmm. expose it poorly black and white did you blow out your highlights black and white like black and white it just kind of covers a multitude of sins and then you're like good enough and every once in a while i will shoot a photo at a wedding that was just so spur of the moment candid Mm -hmm. and turned out to be horribly exposed that i'm like oh the only way to save this is black and white like that happens but rare occasion Mm -hmm. um more often than not though I feel like there are some photos or moments that lend themselves to black and white and some photos mm-hmm. that don't. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, does color add anything to this photo? Because if the color doesn't add anything to the photo, then maybe black and white is a better option. Yeah. So um, I have a couple of silhouette shots where it's just kind of like shapes and and I make those black and white because there's no interest in the color like if you have like a cool lens flare and you're getting like some kind of duo tone like that's one thing Mm -hmm. but i just kind of have this white yellow line and i'm like nah black and white um otherwise yeah there uh there are things that you can do with black and white that you can't do with color like you said uh but the third thing i'll say is i really hate it when photographers say here's your gallery here's all 800 photos in color here's all same 800 photos in black and white those black and whites are not going to be the best black and white that could possibly be mm-hmm. because every photo is so individualized of like you have orange on your sweatshirt right now. Mm-hmm. When you turn it black and white, do you want to turn that to a medium muddy gray or do you want it to turn it dark or like a, a red usually turns into a dark or do you want to turn it bright so it contrasts with the black on your sweatshirt? Mm-hmm. Like these mm-hmm. are decisions you can make as a photographer and when you click auto... Sorry, we had a car backfire, so I'm going to uh, try and finish that thought, and it might not line up. But as I was saying, <laughs> um, the orange and black on your sweatshirt, they mm-hmm. uh, you can choose what tone you want that orange to be, whether you want it to blend in or whether you want it to contrast. And when you just auto black and white, it turns into this gross mud, and yep. then it just looks bad. So don't do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, black and white's a stylistic choice. Like, you need to not only choose to make it black and white but choose to edit it as a black and white photo it's Mm -hmm. not just something where you're like oh let me just you know take all of the color out of this photo and then just leave it like it's a choice you need to make a an active choice to make it a black and white photo have we done an episode of should it be in black and white have we done that i don't think we have we're gonna <laughs> we're adding we that to the list now um but yeah so yeah. i don't think it's uh, long story short i don't think it's only a photographer thing um but certainly that's where you find the most experimentation in black and white because Absolutely. those are the people taking the photos i mean the, the only other thing you see is just people with iphones i guess snapping photos Ugh. and then turning them Ugh. black and white which is hard to call real black and white photography. I mean, if you really want to go totally nuts, I, I think- hate black and white photography. <laughs> That's right. It's controversial. Put your hate <laughs> comments down there. Uh, comments are comments. So bring yeah. it on. If you, um, <laughs> I would say the only, uh, 
the the only version of black and white photography that is a photographer thing is film black and white photography i think that it's firmly a photographer thing that you there is hipster no real market for none <laughs> none all right there you go thanks ali for listening and for sending in your questions for there anybody else go. hit us up at hello at photo dash op dot show Excellent. So on with today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the must-haves for Mm -hmm. your home studio. So it's funny, as we were prepping this list, I prepped, these are physical items you should have, and Stuart prepped philosophical items that you should have <laughs> yeah so stewart's is more about what what is the space we'll what, are the, what are the things we'll have um i kind of feel like i'm just we this will be a i feel like well let's just do a two-part episode let's talk about the things oh, and if you have things okay. to add throw them in and then we'll talk about the space all right and if i have things to add i'll throw them in sound good cool excellent good. all right so uh at the top of this episode we were talking about um this is assumed you have lights you have uh, cameras, you have lenses, you have, you know, what have you. Um, that really depends kind of on your style. Uh, if you do video, obviously, it's going to be a constant light. Um, mm-hmm. If you do, uh, I prefer flash, but there are photographers like Peter Hurley that just shoot continuous light mm-hmm. because that's what they like. That's, that's their cool. style. Yeah. So. You should have whatever lighting it is that you like. Um, you should also have the modifiers that go with that lighting. Mm-hmm. So with Peter Hurley, he's got the barn doors for his big Kino flows. Um, there, uh, uh, there are umbrellas and octobanks. And when you're just getting started, um, umbrellas are nice, mm-hmm. but you they carpet bomb light. They don't have a lot of control. I would say get a large, but not like ridiculously large um, when I bought Pulsy Buff uh, stuff, I don't know if I'd buy that still today, but I'm already invested. Yeah. That that might be a thing for a future episode. But um, I when I bought Pulsy Buff, I just started with two medium-sized softboxes. What's medium-sized? That's what they call it. It was medium-sized. <laughs> okay. They had a small, medium, large. <laughs> All right. Medium. Uh, so I want to say it's like 30, 30 inches, inches yeah. 36 inches, that something right. like that. Um, because the small one, it was like 24 inches. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. a travel softbox. And the yep. big one was like, oh, that's too big for my studio. Like I don't have physically have the space for that. How great would it be to have like one of those like 11 or 12 foot ones, a huge one? <laughs> I, I have a seven foot umbrella. There you go. That does the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's neat. That's not a thing you need though. Um, no, just just getting some uh, modifiers that kind of help you control that mm-hmm. light. We're not mm-hmm. going to get too into it because I uh, feel like we could just rabbit hole down what's the best light for the next hour. Yeah, and maybe it's uh, maybe that's another episode idea that like how do you we're how, coming up with so many episodes? How do you start out with lighting modifiers excellent, or lighting excellent. in general? <laughs> But I wanted to run through some of the other things. So mm-hmm. I have a few things here. Uh, first is gaff tape. You use this for everything. You will use this outside your studio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you use it to tape down a thing that shouldn't move. Uh, mm-hmm. You use it to tape down cords so people don't trip on them. You use it to label things. What else do you use it for? Oh, literally everything. You use it to fix stuff when it breaks in the field and you're like gritting your teeth and you're really mad, but you can get, you can kind of get it stuck together and You know the old (laughs) joke about duct tape fixing everything? Don't use duct tape. Duct tape sucks. It is terrible. Even Adam Savage hates duct tape. Boom. There you go. Gaff tape is just as good, but doesn't leave residue. Mm -hmm. Unless you are literally working with ducks, Mm -hmm. air ducks, uh, don't use duct tape. That's not what it's for. So uh, Also making mounts. That's the other big thing I do with it. 
oh. like like if you there's always something where you're, you're yeah. trying to rig something and you just don't have the right you can't you don't have the right clamp or arm or whatever and like gaff tape can solve that it can attach anything to anything is it going to look good no will it probably get the shot yeah probably most likely. probably <laughs> uh speaking of clamps let's go through some of some of the clamps that i got here so i have a variety at my desk you've got some of your basic ones uh this one's got the little flat feet what is this called uh because this one's an a clamp yeah and then you've got whatever this guy is which is for the for the for the audio listeners out there it's a just like a plastic clamp that you'd find at any you know like dollar store dollar store i got this at i got this at lowe's for you know like an eight pack of them whatever those those standard plastic yeah those little small plastic clamps Mm -hmm. uh i use this for everything Mm um it you just you're always needing to clamp something um some sometimes when i put a reflector i set a reflector up and it wants to fall over you just put a clamp on the bottom of your reflector and now it will actually sit on your desk or your shooting space um let's see what else do i have down here super clamps super clamps so many super clamps so uh super clamps have two different um things uh attachments on the end that you can turn the knob one is the knob that looks like any other knob the other is the ratchet Here's a ratchet handle one. And the ratchet handle one is nice because you can kind of pull it out and change it. So if it gets in the way of one of your items, you can kind of reset where that handle knob. Or if it's up against a wall, is yeah. it's great for that. Yeah. So you can mm-hmm. ratchet it down and then kind of keep on uh, tightening it until you get it to where you need to. Uh, these are both the same clamp. Uh, the only difference is the handle, and this particular one has another attachment knuckle on it. So uh, I love Avengers stuff because it's just really well made. This one is the Avenger D230, um, but it is just a very standard knuckle that you can then put uh, boom poles. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing, too, is if you unclamp it, it's got a big flat area. You can still put um, flags, uh, gobos, grims any anything you want in these i have so many of these um i have another one that is particularly for uh flags and stuff this one is a uh mathalini clamp um so this one uh you unscrew it and it's got a big kind of flat grippy feel that feel that grip right there sandpaper almost yeah yeah. so this is going to hold anything you put in there and you clamp it down and then now you can get that big flat piece of reflector board or what have you um these are also great uh you know those pop-up backgrounds Mm -hmm. like the we have like a five by seven or any of the small reflectors Mm -hmm. you just jam the little rim of your pop-up inside this guy and then it can hold it pretty good at almost any angle sweet so um that's a nice one the much better than those ones that often like it comes with a stand where it's this little spring-loaded clip. I do have <laughs> a few of those, yeah. but unless they are hanging straight down, they're not good. Not they're, so good. They're great for travel when I need it in a pinch, and oh, yeah, that one's small big and, and heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the studio, I don't use it that yeah. much. Yeah. Um, here's another version of that same clamp that I showed you. Um, it is... Uh, for those of you listening, we've got kind of the knuckle on the side where you can put your crossbars or your boom poles. Um, this just kind of has a bigger, beefier handle, and these things are rugged. Um, they're generally about fifty to a hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, they're not cheap. So they're not cheap to kit out with all these but you generally get one anytime you buy a c-stand kit. So yeah. um, you're not going to hopefully run out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two, uh, when it comes to clamps and stuff that I'm going to share, this one is a, uh, I believe this is called a mini ball knuckle. And it's basically just a ball joint with a ratchet handle. Um, But I love putting this on anything because when you attach it to a stand, you unscrew it. And now you can position your light freely and then lock it down as long as you have a free hand. So it's a little bit harder to get into position, but it's Mm -hmm. also a little bit easier to get in position because um, you can freely move the thing and then lock it down versus something else you need to... Oh, let me move this joint. Let me move yep. this joint. When you're locked down and every uh, ratchet or handle only moves one axis, now you have to move three things instead of one thing to get the position you want. I have one of these two. They are so handy. Um, ball mounts can often be something that, at least me personally, I've sort of avoided a lot of them because it feels like, oh, well, this is something that's not going to hold. Like I'm going to put something heavy on it and then it's going to slowly sag. Those ball mounts are big and beefy. And when you hold one, you feel the weight and they yeah. stay. That that ball mount cost yeah. me seventy eighty dollars yeah, something that like that right. um, yeah. uh, a while back. And then this is just a super clamp, but um, this is actually a tether tools item. That's literally just a bar with a slight up tick. Um, and this is great because you can attach it to a sand and you can throw cables <laughs> or cords or gaff tape. And I just generally have this uh, one attached to anything I'm doing when I'm in the studio mm-hmm. because. I'm almost always needing to hang something, whether it's throwing my camera on here, hanging it by the strap or throwing gaff tape or a tether cable or something. Just having an extra little attachment point is just nice to have. Really? I don't have one of those. I'm not fancy enough. Uh, there, I mean, there's also like J hooks that serve the same purpose. I know you've got some J hooks. Um, any, any other little clamps or attachments? you can think of that are absolute must-haves boy that pretty much covers it um i I would full gamut i would say (laughs) yeah i would say that yeah that pretty much fits uh, that's pretty much what i got too i mean i've got eight clamps i've got the plastic clamps yeah i got i got a number of those so um yeah the the next thing i would have on my list is when you're shooting in studio safety first always have sandbags i've got a whole plethora of sandbags Mm -hmm. i have roughly 600 pounds ish in sandbags Mm -hmm. um But I wanted to point out two different ones that I have here. So this first sandbag, both of these sandbags are five pounds. But one of them is significantly larger than the other one. The difference is the larger one is sand. So the upside to this is that it is a lot cheaper. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, This is roughly half to a third of the price of a steel shot bag. But um, the downside is that it is significantly larger if space is an issue um, and it is prone to mold if it gets wet. So don't do that. This one is a steel shot and it's got this nice uh, grip on the back so that um, it will actually kind of stay even when the thing's angled. It's a lot smaller, but it is still five pounds. So this particular one is built slightly differently than this one um, because this is actually meant for being a counterweight. So that's why it doesn't have a handle Um, when it's just these kind of two nunchuck style. um, That's because you put it on the end of a boom pole to counterweight whatever the light is on the other side. And when you're booming lights, safety first. Always sandbag your stands to keep your gear and your talent safe. Yeah. I have a pro tip for for that. Um, I recently just experimented with buying uh, used shot. So I assume it was shot that was actually 
shot out of a gun i don't really know but anyway used shot that you can buy that's recycled and they clean it and everything and they ship it to you in a very dense Ginormous box bag, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it uh it really uh your delivery person is not going to appreciate you um but the upside is that it's way cheaper then you can buy the bags empty and buy the shot the only downside is you have to buy in bulk you have to buy quite a large quantity of shot at once but the upside is then it's way cheaper per bag for an actual shot I mean, shot I bag. own 600 pounds mm-hmm. worth of sandbags that I have accumulated over the years because mm-hmm. I buy some sandbags, I buy some more, I buy some more, I buy some more. Mm-hmm. Were I to just have the money and start out today, buying in bulk yep. isn't such yep. a terrible option. So yeah, if you're starting out, uh, you're listening to this because you're starting out, I would guess, then uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to go. Look into bulk I think it's generally called recycled shot, which is basically just they collected the shot somehow from wherever it's used. I assume in, uh, I don't know, like a like a shooting range or something. And then they wash it and they put it in a bag <laughs> and they know, send it man. to you. So it works great. I just, just had um, a, that experience. Yeah, I've, uh, I actually have one more sandbag. This is just a little like bean bag. Um, and these are great for tabletop of just you put something down and you need to weigh it down. Mm-hmm. Just more of just weighing down things when you're shooting tabletop sets. Um, but it's also nice when you kind of just, you, you're, you're setting something down and you need to lift it just, just a hint. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, and you can kind of just wedge the bean bag under there and get the right um, amount of leveling or height that you need out of it so that's that's good um the last little piece of grip as we talked about stands mm-hmm. uh what's the difference between a, a cheap stand and expensive stand how many swear words do you use <laughs> exactly. that's essentially it that is the difference um yeah but i've got a cheap stand and an expensive stand here so mm-hmm. this ch- and these are roughly the same age mm-hmm. i just want to point that out to you one looks significantly worse condition yep. uh, the green tape is because that knob doesn't hold anymore so i put the green tape there to say oh, to this is you, last resort do this. not <laughs> use that riser of the stand so there's that um this knuckle that should be a handle uh i need a leatherman to ratchet that because it just snapped off because it was cheap crappy plastic um some of these tines are bent so they don't close quite right Mm -hmm. versus this one exact same age uh even though one is significantly bigger this one's actually about the same or lighter weight Mm -hmm. um it's air cushioned which means that when you have a sudden stop it goes down slow you can hear that going in we'll we'll do it for the podcast people that is the sound of air cushioning that means your gear is safe when something comes loose and it goes crashing to the ground photo equipment asmr uh yeah absolutely but um no so so and they this one's flat like it uh yeah so if you buy multiples of these they stack together which is Mm -hmm. great for travel you don't have a bag of stands you just have a brick and then you just peel one off the brick and much beefier like knobs um Uh for adjusting the height yeah yeah, Excellent. so so all in all, um, this is the stand that's going to come with whatever cheap, crappy kit you buy on Amazon, and then this is the stand you actually want to pay for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never buy one of these. No. I own them because <laughs> I keep getting them for free when I buy other sh- stuff. So, yeah, that that should that should uh, tell the story right there. Like, if it's coming for free with other equipment, it's probably not very good. Um, and then the last thing you absolutely need is cleaning gear. So, uh, Les pen, lens pen, lens pen, 
uh and we've got a small blower this one stays in my camera bag at all times this one stays at my desk for when i'm doing more heavy duty stuff just because it's bigger um but the rocket ones are great i have them too so and then uh, this one is just another one that uh, I think I found at Goodwill or something. It's just got a tiny little squeaker, but it also has the brush on there. So um, yeah, it it always helps to just be able to wipe off your lens, be able to blow something out, mm-hmm. um, and make sure you keep your gear clean. Um, I just shot some landscape photos, and there's a big dust dot on it, and it's oh, I'm L- sad now. <laughs> lens lens cloths too. I have so many of them all over the place so being a glasses wearer, but um, the, I, I use them for all sorts of stuff. And it, not even just like, you know, not saying like go nuts and, you know, scrub your lenses with them, but sometimes there's like just like a speck of dust and you don't like touch it with your finger. You don't like smear it. Mm-hmm. And just like lightly hitting it with a lens cloth. If you're we'll shooting at 2.8, it might not be a big deal. But if yeah. you once you start getting to that F7, F11, F16 range... Sure. You're going to see it. You're going to see everything. Yep. Not so good. So, yeah, those are those are all the little, small, hopefully cheap knickknacks that you should have mm-hmm. when you have a studio. All the other things you're going to see on a podcast or a blog or something like backdrops and stands and yeah. things. But, like, I got away with not having a backdrop for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I feel like these are the things that you absolutely need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the things that you need that are applicable to, like, any possible situation you'd ever find yourself in and sometimes more than one at once (laughs) (laughs) so at this point in the show uh i have heard myself talking quite enough we are going to throw it over um that's all of the physical stuff that you need Mm -hmm. so Stuart, um you put down some of the other kind of things that your studio should have i did um we've already covered one which is quality stuff or what i called quality stuff oh yeah and that is uh as we pointed out uh you know there are different tiers of gear and some are very cheap and come for free with other stuff that you buy and some you actually have to seek out and put the money down um and you will be very happy that you did long term um so definitely don't cheap out with anything um at least anything that's very critical um Mm -hmm. there we are we are both i think very open to cheap gear cheap but good gear We're, we're always kind of on the lookout for that stuff but there's certain things where it's just it's not you know it's it's just not the same experience it's not the same you even looked at uh, c stands relatively mm-hmm. recently yeah um and looked at cheap c stands versus expensive c stands and um you know yeah they they can both get the job done but the experience with something that's a little bit higher quality that is really yeah. there's something to be said for that so yeah. so um when i was shooting my c-stand video i did rate it of like these are kind of best to worst but honestly everything except the very worst one if someone gave it to me i would use it mm-hmm. there are some there's like this is a little more wobbly than i like but you'll yeah. live i think what you should do is with it is something where having a bad version break on you would be catastrophic whether mm-hmm. that ends your shoot whether that hurts your talent whether that failing means that it breaks something else with it yeah like a stand going down breaks mm-hmm. whatever is on that stand <laughs> then you buy the best one you can if it's something where it uh can get the job done but it's not going to be a catastrophic failure it's just oh 
that's not quite as good. Yeah. Then buy the cheap ones. So like, um, I do that a lot with like lenses and kind of other things where it's like it gets the job done. It's you know it's pixel peeping. Mm-hmm. I'll buy the cheap gaff tape because at one point I wanted to do a video showing here's the difference and they were identical. <laughs> All gaff tape's the same apparently. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I see this a lot with tools. Um, where people say you know if you're going to use something, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something once, then sure go to Harbor Freight and buy you know some you know super cheap terrible tool um if you end up breaking that tool because you're using it enough then go and buy the expensive thing Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's another approach you can take certainly for like the critical stuff like this is going to hurt somebody this is going to damage something you know buy the good stuff from the beginning but if you're like i'm not sure like should i spend the money on this maybe buy the cheap one you might be wasting your money longer term you know i'd always encourage people to buy quality upfront if you can but if you're not sure maybe that can get you by and if you eventually break it at that point you know that you use it enough to justify the expense so, Stuart, just looking around this studio right now, what are some things I desperately need for my home studio? <laughs> things you need for your home studio? It's a mess, I will admit. Uh, I would say segway. organization. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the attempt at some organization over there. Uh, it's, it, um, it's an attempt. <laughs> so, uh, we, I, you mentioned Adam Savage earlier, but um, this is something that I've always been very inspired by when I watch any of the stuff in his home um, workshop space. And that's that everything is organized. Yeah, sometimes it's messy, but there is a there is organization available everywhere to help, one, encourage you to continue to be organized. I think it's chaotic, two, not messy. Well, yeah, it, All, it looks it looks messy to somebody who's not familiar. It looks messy, mm. but... but everything is where it needs to be and he knows where everything is well and it's ease of access like i think this is a big one that is kind of ignored with a lot of organizations sure you can you know put in a bunch of shelves and drawers and stuff and hide everything and then it's impossible to use because you have to go and open a bunch of stuff to access anything one of his one of adam savage's big things that he talks about a lot is ease of access yeah this you know some rack that he built that has a bunch of I don't know, brushes sticking out of it looks kind of a little bit chaotic and weird and maybe messy to somebody who doesn't understand the the philosophy. But the idea is you need any of those screwdrivers or brushes or tools or whatever, it's right there and you can just grab it and go. Instead of, oh, I need to like go into this drawer and rifle around and maybe it's over here and maybe it's over there. Um, that, that ease of access is tremendously important and I would arguably put that above just pure visual neatness like it you need to be able to do your job well and quickly efficiently and efficiently and um you can have the prettiest studio in the world but if it's not a functional studio then what's the point (laughs) yeah the the phrase that he uses specifically is called first level accessibility Mm -hmm. and um for example and if you have cluttered kitchens and you go and there are those really deep cabinets and you say oh i need a thing it's in the back of the cabinet i need to pull out these three you know items to be able to get to that then you think to yourself you know what never mind I don't actually need it. I don't need my Vitamix today. <laughs> I'm not pulling out all of those mugs to be able to get to it. It's the same idea in the studio. Um, you're not going to use a thing that it, mm-hmm. you can't access. Yeah, definitely not. And one thing that you access a lot is electrical stuff, all the batteries, time. all the time. You know, things that need to be plugged in, things that need to be charged. Um, 
as kind of an addendum to organization is some sort of charging area. Um, and you have built one for yourself. So there's one I'm working on it off, off screen that you can't see. It's getting there. It's <laughs> but, getting there's, there. but there's one in progress, at least. Yeah. Um, I am moving into a new space right now. And I haven't really I I haven't built anything complete. But one of the first things I did was I set up and I'm like, here's a shelf. This is where chargers is going to be. Mm-hmm. This is where I can charge these batteries. Here's where I can char- plug in this stuff. And it's got an actual space for that. And um, that is hugely valuable. Uh, it's so frustrating when you go to do something and you don't have charged batteries that you need. You don't have charged, you know, charged camera, charged device, you or, know, you charged whatever. The charger, or you can't find or the charger, or you mm-hmm. are just scattering them around the house because those are where your outlets are. Yep. And then you forget to check so-and-so outlet and you leave batteries at home. That's yep, the for worst. Sure, for sure. Um, all of your stuff should be in one spot. That's quick to grab and go. Yeah. And, and however you uh, organize that, I feel like is, is up to you and how often you use the things that are in that setup. But um, yeah, charging spaces are good. <laughs> Absolutely. And so uh, if you are a photographer, um, but specifically if you're a videographer, there are definitely extra concerns that photographers might not have. So if you're doing video, what's like... I, I know there's like a number one thing that you have to do if you're setting up a home studio and plan on doing video. Uh, for for charging or just in general, it's called segue. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna practice this and get back to you. Okay. Sound well, treatments. I thought you were going. I, yes, I understand. <laughs> but I thought I thought you were going in different direction direction with that. But um, it's well, your list. Well, why don't we cut and then I will just respond to your statement. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. The most important thing, as we've said. I think before on this show a couple times is sound. Absolutely. The visuals of a video or film are secondary to the sound. If something has terrible sound, people will not watch it. If something has terrible video, I mean, maybe people won't watch it either, but if it has good sound, they're much more likely to do so. Indeed. So sound, um, you know, sound treatment, this can be very complicated, unfortunately, and I'm not going to break down, you know, the entire space of how you treat, treat your room for sound, but, the big thing that I'm going to tell you is don't just use egg crate foam like everybody seems to do. That's really? not the way to go. No. Um, so what egg crate foam can do is um, basically absorb sounds that are bouncing across the room, which certainly you want to reduce that. And so, you know, you're going to use some egg crate foam in an eventual, you know, sound treatment for sure. But the big thing that you probably need is actually killing sound from the outside of the room. Like that's uh, yep. the thing that really like um, earlier in this like episode, earlier in this episode. <laughs> when the car with the muffler went by, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that that is going to be a bigger problem often than unless you live in a cave that has nothing in the room to absorb any sound, you're likely going to have bigger problems with sound intruding from the outside than sound bouncing around on the inside. Especially if you have any furniture, any soft furniture at all, that absorbs a ton of sound. So you're going to want to look into treating the room for deadening the outside sound and usually that's something you know some sort of layer whether that's like in the wall if you're super lucky and you're like building the studio as you're planning for it and you can build something in the wall there's this um basically thick vinyl material that you can actually put behind wallboard that will just like kill any outside noise which is really awesome sometimes that means putting up panels or um, treating your ceiling a lot of sound can go through your ceiling especially if you're in an area with a lot of like uh, aircraft um so you really 
you really need like basically like high density foam or vinyl of some kind is what that ultimately means covering Everything. almost the entire space so <laughs> this room on a scale of one to ten Mm, I would say it's probably a three or a four. Eight. <laughs> well, that's a failing grade because it's We're... not. It doesn't reflect too much, um, and, and thankfully, these like the concrete absorbs quite a bit of noise. But um, yeah, it is what it is. You've got an insulated roof though, which is huge. You know, this space. Yeah. Like the the fact that you have insulation. I'm mean, granted that's for thermal reasons, but that absorbs a lot of sound by itself. So, And I, uh, I'm actually looking at a garage door yep. right now. And uh, I paid extra to get the garage door that had the extra sound barrier. Because yep, exactly. I know that we're going to be doing stuff like this podcast. Yeah, you can't, you can't um, necessarily fix every possible thing. And in the case of a garage door, it might be too unwieldy. It might be impossible due to the motion of the door to actually like stick anything onto it. So in this case, you just have to pay up and get a better door basically um so yeah you'll you Put will some sound blankets up i mean sure that so that that's another thing you can do if you can't like a, if you can't change your space at all like trying to add blankets and often what i would recommend is if you can if you can't change the space but you can hang up blankets try to do a double layer where you've got like a blanket and then like an inch or two and then another blanket up against the wall um that will basically trap sounds like sounds will go through one blanket and then hit the other and stay in that space and then they won't go through um so it's not it's not perfect it's not an old you know a, a true replacement for any high density treatment but um it can work really well then you will need stuff to deal with reflections. Oftentimes you see stuff in the corners. Hard angles are not good for sound. Obviously the egg crate foam is for that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, stuff that actually treats uh, intrusive noises, I think is going to be much more valuable than buying a bunch of that egg crate stuff that everybody seems to have and going with that. Not the best way to do it. It will help a little bit. It'll you'll notice a difference, and you'll think, "Oh, I treated the space for sound because it sounds so much better." Well, yeah, you're you're hearing that there's less echo, but you're still going to get annoying noises from the outside. Yeah. So think about that. Sound treatment is hard, unfortunately. It, another episode <laughs> for a later day. We're going to have to listen to ourselves and write down mm-hmm. all of these ideas yeah. we just had, and they will all come to you as future episodes yep. one day. Um, but that, I think, is a wrap for today. Yeah, I would say that the last the last possible thing, and this is the, the biggest one of all, is space. Mm. If you are building, build bigger than you think you need. If you're buying... Granted, we're in a seller's market, so that's a nightmare. Try to buy bigger than you think you need. You will, you will always run out of space. Like I, people expand into space, infinitely. no matter how big that space is. Infinitely. If you, I, I so. will say, if you have a choice between two spaces, mm-hmm. even if one has slightly more square feet, go with the one with taller ceilings. Yeah, for sure. Because you're if you the the ability to hang stuff and you know like put up lights stuff. Yeah, sweet. whether yeah. whether it's the ability to hang, but mm-hmm. even just thinking about something as simple as we mentioned earlier, I have a seven foot umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of spaces I was looking at where if you walk into a space that has eight or nine foot ceilings, that umbrella doesn't start seven feet at the ground. Mm-hmm. It starts like a foot off the ground because that's where the yeah. C stand puts it, and then and then um, the, how the light reacts on your subject is the center of that seven feet needs to be above the person's eye line otherwise you are under lighting them like a hitchcock movie all of a sudden guess what you need to be four feet above your person's head 
That means if you don't have 11 foot ceilings, you are scraping your ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's just kind of what we mean of uh, when, when I said mm-hmm. earlier, the difference between cheap gear and expensive gear, curse words, same thing with ceilings. Can you work with low ceilings? Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be a pain. It's not fun. <laughs> um, the whole first year that I actually did online tutorials for YouTube, um, I had to be in a seated position. Oh, boy. Because my <laughs> I was in a basement and my ceilings were like six and a half feet and mm-hmm. I'm six feet tall. So I was like ducking and crouching to not hit it. <laughs> and I had to sit down so that when I made a gesture, I don't hit the ceiling and wrap my knuckles. But yeah. Um, so yeah, space. If you can, If you can, start there. You know, try to get bigger space higher ceilings whatever you can do you will expand into it guaranteed absolutely <laughs> and then you'll be like man i wish i got even more space than this i thought i had plenty i put all this stuff here and all of a sudden i don't have any more space okay i lied earlier now that is a good place to wrap the episode yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what are we talking about next time well uh we are we got some news stories i think we do have yeah, some, news we got some news stories but there's there's a few things going on in the camera world that we feel like you need to know they're certainly intriguing to us um some more serious than others <laughs> awesome so uh thank you guys so much for listening and just a reminder for those of you listening you can see our beautiful faces mm-hmm. in the brand new studio on the youtube channel i'm also going to give a shout out to the patreon patreon.com slash nom creative there's a one dollar tip jar you can just help us keep this show running yep. and listen for the outro for the email but i'm bump If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at NomCreative. As in Om Nom Nom. Share this with a friend, and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Because it's free.